0: You know, sometimes even if you don't feel it, that's the most important time to worship. Sometimes when you feel defeated, that's the time when you got to let your faith sing for you. That's sometimes you got to declare in that song. The battle is the Lord's. We're believing that in the series we've been talking about battles in our minds You don't need to hold that battle in your mind because you can release it and say god i can't fight this battle by myself but i know that if you are with me that i will be victorious that you will give me victory over every fear anxiety worry depression what i'm facing it's not going to hold me back sometimes you got to proclaim truth even if you don't feel it amen church come on i believe god is bringing a freedom that the spirit of the Lord is here and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I believe God wants to break some chains off of some of you. Some of you have been in a place of despair and I believe that today God by his spirit wants to lift you out of that. He wants to set your foot on a rock. He wants to bring you out of a place of, of hopelessness and he wants to show you the hope that he has. So I just really believe that God wants to set some of us free today in this place. And I want to pray for you every single person because i believe that god has a word for you today i believe that there is something that god wants to supernaturally put inside of you today but if you don't have a heart that is open a mind ready to receive expectant faith saying god you need to speak to me because some of you need something you went through a really hard week you've been in a fight for a long time And the one thing that you need is maybe the truth of God to be implanted inside of you. So you stop believing the things that you've been wrestling with in your mind and the lies of the enemy. And So today I want to pray that you would have an expectant heart ready to receive God's word. Amen. Come on, would you bow your heads both locations? Would you pray with me? Father, I pray right now as we turn to your word that God, you you would reveal things that we have never known as truth. I pray, God, right now for the person that feels captive, the person, God, that feels like they are in a place of wilderness. I pray, God, right now that today something would change inside of them. I pray, God, that you would lift their perspective to see things from your distance, to see things from your height. God, your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are your ways and thoughts above ours. And so, God, we just surrender our thoughts, our time. We surrender to you to say, God, speak to me. Speak to me. God, speak to every person. God, you love us. You love us enough to lead us. And so, God, we're here saying, would you show us the way to walk and that we choose to walk in it. God, I thank you for your presence. I pray we don't ever take for granted your presence, your sweet presence. God, we love you. and We praise you for today and what you're going to do and release in us. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And everybody said, come on, let's give him praise one more time. Hey man, you guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, it's an honor to have you all here. And I, I wanna take just a second if we could, for my Lithopolis family, can we just welcome every single person in Lancaster, at our Lancaster location. <laughs> hey, we wanna just say we love you. If you're watching this online, it's an honor to have you with us. And if you're new with us, we've actually been in a series of talks around the mind. You know, we, we, we call this series Minefield because Here's what I know to be true is that inside of your mind is a battlefield that we're constantly fighting and we're fighting back worry We're fighting back anxiety We're fighting back fear It's a constant battle And that's what this series has been about because I want to just remove kind of the labels and stigma when it comes to uh, uh, Mental health because a lot of times many of us are going through battles, but we just won't tell anybody and I just want to just say this: that if you are here and you feel like, man, I'm I'm in a place no one knows about, I just want you to know you came to the right place today. We like to say it's okay to not be okay here, amen. And so I, I I just I want I want to encourage you to say you're not alone. There's far more in this fight than you can imagine, and I believe that with God's help, that we can begin to break through to the other side. Hey, listen, next week I want to tell you about something really cool. Next week, I'm gonna invite a couple counselors that are gonna join me on the stage. And we're gonna talk about mental health and we're gonna hear from some counselors, which is really cool because some of you need to go see a counselor, but you don't want to because it costs money. But we're just gonna go ahead and bring them in for you, okay? But I I want you to hear from them because there are so many layers to to the battle within our mind. And and I, I wanna take a holistic approach. We've been saying that throughout the whole time. I believe with God's help that we can find freedom. I also believe that we might need to talk to a counselor, and we might need to see a doctor, and we might need to go through some therapy, and we might need some medication to help. And you know what? We're going to use it all, everything that God gives us at our disposal, so that we can find freedom in this area. Amen? Amen. Hey, today, I want to turn our conversation to something that I think to one level or another, all of us are going to battle in our lives, and that's depression. Uh, Depression is is something that so many people are battling. Can I say this? So many of our younger generation are battling depression that I don't think I dealt with when I was growing up. Like, it it is a real thing. And depression is very tricky. Let me just say this. It is, there are so many different layers and there's so many different forms of depression. And I think sometimes we're a little bit ignorant about it which is why it, it sometimes has left a stigma on depression. You know, there's some of people in our church, there's somebody maybe sitting on the road next to you that battles with depression all the time. Not, not just because they went through something hard, but they're battling with it all the time. You know, they say that if you battle with depression for longer than two years, they say you have what's called persistent depressive disorder. Th- those are the ones that are, you're probably talking to a counselor if you are, or you're maybe taking some medication if you are. And I, I just wanna say, man, my heart goes out to you if you're in a place where you struggle with that. We have a lot of people in our church that do and I see them every week and I just say, how are you doing? Because I know it's a struggle. It is, there's so many different versions. There's layers to this, there's manic depression. I I don't know if you know what this is. I like to use some of these terms because some of us, we we don't know about this. There are some who wrestle with like a bipolar disorder where one moment everything's great and then the next moment, they're down into a a, a place of despair and depression. There's a version of depression that people, they, they fall into. Uh, there, there's something that, that women sometimes have dealt with, um, uh, what sometimes women have depression after they give birth, right? Uh, postpartum depression. And I understand that because let's be honest, ladies, like some, those of you that have given birth, your body went through war, didn't it? Hello? Like, I, I mean, I, I didn't, I don't know what's like personally, but. My wife's given birth to some children and I was there and I I mean, it's and so chemicals and things are just going Crazy in your body and in your mind and it just it'll affect you and some people they they fall into a really deep Dark place after giving birth of something so much joy in their life Uh, There's people that experience depression because of trauma Some of you've been traumatized by someone And it just it keeps you maybe locked up in a place of depression There's others that that really have um, genetics it's it's Their mom did or their mom's dad did and and so there's a propensity to depression because of a gene that and something they've experienced these are all things that we see and so I want to say that some people experience these different versions of depression but I also want you to hear this there there's a level of depression that I believe every single person may experience in their life there's a level where we can get depressed because we lose somebody that we love we, we can get depressed because we maybe lose a job and maybe we lose hope of how we're going to make it through it. There's so many different situations in our life. And I want you to understand that when we talk about depression, it's not just that one person, you know, in your family that doesn't want to ever go do anything. And, and, you know, they take medication, they struggle. Listen, you and I, we can experience depression in our lives. I have, I've experienced it. In fact, there's a couple times in my life where I have experienced the power of depression. The first time I really w- w- would classify that I went through a season of depression was the first year that I went into full time ministry. It was in 2007, April 1st, 2007. I went into ministry so excited. so I'm like, I'm ready to ch- charge hell with water pistols. I, I'm going to do whatever. Like I, I was so ready to take our church and, and like, okay, I had all these expectations of, of this is what's going to happen and here's what we're going to do and how we're going to grow and we're going to reach people and, we're gonna, and all this. And I was four months in to full-time ministry, and I wanted to quit. Four months in, I know some of you are looking at me like, how in the world is he still here, four months in? But I, I did. I don't know what happened to me, I don't know if it was my expectations, I, I don't know if it was something the enemy brought against me, but I went into this like dark place where, honestly, I, I, I wrestled with God. I just wanna say some of you that have, have fought depression, that you would understand that maybe you wrestled with God a little bit in that season, why do I feel this way? Why did you bring me here? Why am I in this place? I just want to get out of it and I felt like like i lost I lost weight. You lose your appetite sometimes you 're depressed. I lost twenty five pounds in about two months, three months and it, I, I mean i wasn 't dieting okay. I just wasn 't eating i, I didn 't have an appetite. I, I was lost in my mind and i didn 't tell anybody and i didn 't know i didn 't know how to describe what I was feeling inside. All I know is that it was a place of. feeling hopeless and God brought me out of it and it took some time to come out of it But when i reflect back on it can i just tell you and i want to say this to encourage you is that i look back on that season here's what i realized i realized that god used that season of my life to birth something for this church that that is what you experience and the mission and the vision and what we have it actually came from a place of despair that god did so i just want you to know that god can bring beauty out of ashes that god can take you if you're in a hopeless place and god can bring something beautiful out of it And I I want you to hear that because I want to encourage you today if I can. I've been in that place. Some of you are in that place. We may all go through that place. And and if I can go through it, let me just say this and you can go through it. We all can go through it. And so I want to talk about that today. And I want to talk about like what do we believe and what do we do when we're faced with feelings and thoughts of depression? What what are you going to do with it? Because I have found that it's what I do when I'm, when I'm feeling those those things and when I'm hearing voices and uh, uh, of, well, you know, it's not worth it and, and, and your best days are behind you and, and you know, what are you going to do with those? Because I believe that what we do with them can determine whether or not we spiral further into a wilderness or whether we can leave the wilderness. And if you've got a Bible with you, I'd love to share a story with you of, of someone that, Most of us have probably heard if you've been around church His story is found in first Kings 19 if you got your Bible It's a story of one of the greatest prophets uh, Of the Bible one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament in the Jewish faith I mean this guy is he's right up there. He probably ranks number two his name is Elijah And the only person that the Jewish faith would believe was greater than him was Moses Moses is top dog, okay? And then, then you get Elijah. Elijah was an incredible man of God. God used him to perform all kinds of miracles. And if, if you don't know his story, let me give you the context before we jump into chapter 19. Uh, God called Elijah and told him to go confront the king of Israel. His name was Ahab, wicked king. Awful king that led the Israelites really away from worshiping the one true God. And he said, I want you to go confront the king of Israel and tell him it's not going to rain in the land until you tell him it's going to. And so he, he went and he told the king, kings, whatever, blowing them off, whatever, you know. And, and then he left, and it did not rain for the next three and a half years until God told Elijah to go back and confront the king and tell him that he's going to bring rain. That's how long God brought his discipline, and it was devastating to the land. So God took Elijah eventually to, back to King uh, uh, Ahab. And he told him, confront him. And when he confronted him, I don't know if Elijah knew he was going to do this, but something came over him that he challenged King Ahab to a duel, an MMA fight on top of Mount Carmel. And over in one corner, you got just Elijah by himself. And on the other side, okay, you've got the 850 prophets of false gods that the queen, Queen Jezebel had. And so here's what Elijah said, and I need you to know this context because it's going to help you understand He said, okay, we're gonna build two altars. You put a bull on your altar, I'll put a bull on mine. You call on your gods, I'll call on mine. Whichever God answers by fire, we'll all agree that's the one true God. It seems fair. And oh, by the way, here's the only rule, is the only rule in this MMA fight. You can't bring any matches. No matches. And they check them. You ever see MMA before they get in the ring and they check them, pat them down behind their ears, do all that? Check. No matches. Got to make sure you have no matches. And so the, 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 the one prophets, they go in for hours. They're chanting and nothing. Nothing. No gods. They're false gods. They didn't respond. And then Elijah just prays one simple prayer to the God of the heavens and the earth. and says that fire came down from heaven and consumed the altar. And in that moment, proving to all of Israel that, that the one true God was the one that Elijah worshiped. And because of that, Elijah had every single one of those false prophets put to death. Now, you need to know in this culture back then, this is really big. Like, if you said you were a prophet, that means you heard from God. People took that very seriously. If you prophesied something and it didn't come true, they killed you. And so that's what happened. Killed 850 of the prophets in that moment. And so after that, he prays and God sends rain I mean, you'd be on an emotional high, a spiritual high, if you're Elijah, right? And then this story picks up in chapter 19. This is where we're going to pick up, okay? Chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Now Ahab, that's the king, told Jezebel, his wife, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like that of one of them. I'm going to kill you. It says in verse three that Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life like a little chicken. I think sometimes I'll read a passage like this, and I'll think, "What's wrong with you, Elijah?" You know, like, you ever you ever read a passage, and you kind of think, "Well, if I was there, if I were in his shoes, I'm always so afraid of." I mean, I, actually, if you think about what just happened. I mean he just stared down the King 850 prophets thousands of Israelites all looking on okay he prays one prayer God sends fire that's pretty cool he prays again and God sends massive rainstorm And it hadn't rained for three and a half years I'm thinking if I'm Elijah about this time I'm feeling a little confident maybe even a little cocky and you get some woman that just sends a messenger says I'm gonna kill you too I think I'd be like bring it on i'll take you out too i'll take you out i'll take your husband out i'll take you all out i mean that's the way i would feel if i were elijah but instead that's not what happened it says that elijah he he ran out of fear he just he got scared one threat and he ran out of fear you know i found fear is one of the most powerful forces you'll ever experience inside of you we all know that fear is so powerful one of the most powerful emotions fear can cause you to run it also causes you to freeze something about fear that is so powerful that listen can take over our minds and and to me as i look on i kind of feel like this seems kind of irrational after all you've seen and done and the power of god through you and you run out of fear and here's what I, you need to understand about fear fear always magnifies your problems and minimizes god's ability to deal with him that's what fear does fear is like oh my, my problem is so big and whenever we think my problem is so big what we're really saying is that my God is so small whenever we allow fear to drive us to run I'm not saying you're not gonna be afraid I'm not gonna say you're not gonna face fears because we all face fears but but when fear drives you when you run because of fear what you're declaring is you're saying my problem is bigger than my God and, and that's what he does, and that's why it's like I str- like I have a hard time like why I, I, I don't understand how you can be so afraid, but you know what I've discovered about fear is that we don't all have the same fears like your fears are probably different than mine. I mean, everybody basically has one fear that we put at the top of the list, and that's the fear of dying. I, I think all of us are afraid of that I mean none of us want to die. Have you ever kind of um, just kind of played a game where you just kind of with somebody else and you said you know what would be the worst way to die Have you ever thought about that it's like trapped in a fire drowning you know uh, death by roller coaster I mean there's so many different types of fear I'm just curious what, what would you say right now is your greatest fear next to dying next to dying your greatest fear maybe we all have the same fear so on the count of three I want you to shout out what your greatest fear is let's all do it together both locations one two three roller coasters amen we all had the same one right what did you just say oceans oh my gosh man pray for zach he just i feel but but we, we all have different fears i mean like how many of you like snakes raise your hand if you like snakes you love snakes oh my gosh what's wrong with you people i had no idea How many of you are afraid of snakes? Raise your hand. Okay, see, that's the sane people. You know, there are some weird people that actually have snakes as pets. They're strange. And if you're just coming to church for the first time and you don't know what to expect, let me just tell you, you will never see us bring a snake up on the platform. This is not a snake handling church. Snakes are the devil. We will smash them under our foot. You know, we all have different, we have different fears. It, it, it's interesting. Um, you know what they say, people, um, their their second greatest fear collectively is, uh, for most people, it's public speaking. Uh, some of you would rather handle a snake than to get up here with a microphone. How many of you are afraid of speaking in public? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're afraid. Hey, would you come up here? I just want you to come share a few things. <laughs> oh, no, I wouldn't ask you to come up. Like, you know. I want us to recognize that we don't have the same fears. Like, some of you said different things. My, my oldest daughter, Lauren, um, all growing up, her greatest fear, I don't know if it is now, but her greatest fear is always spiders. Does any of you hate spiders? Like, that's like, you, arachnophobia? Like, that's not just a movie. That's, that's your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, she desperately afraid of spiders. I mean, and I don't understand it. This is where I look at it and go, honey, this is irrational. I remember one time when when she's probably about 10 years old, and I heard this blood-curdling scream come from upstairs. And if you're a parent, you drop whatever it is. You think they cut their arm off. Something happened. And I run upstairs, and I'm like, what's the matter? What's the matter? You, know, I'm thinking I'm going to see blood. I don't know what I'm going to see. And she points over at the wall. And over on the wall is the biggest, hugest, Spider about the size of her fingertip. You've ever seen in your entire life a Little Spider and she is scared to death. She's over there and she's like kill it She's like and I couldn't I couldn't understand it. I literally said to her, I'm not lying. I said honey That spider is one one-hundredth of your size Go smash it. It can, it can't do anything to you. But she was deathly afraid and it just caused, it caused her whole body. It just took over her. And the reason why I want us to understand this is because things that you're afraid of, other people aren't afraid of. And sometimes we look at other people and because of the fear that's in their mind that's gripping them and the worry and the anxiety when it's not ours, we think it's irrational. And this is part of the problem and why we have stigmatized mental health is because your fear is not my fear and your anxiety is not my anxiety. But you don't know the trauma that they've gone through and you don't know what's going on in their minds. And so we need to learn to have a little bit more empathy for other people who are going through something that I'm not going through. Elijah he, he ran out of fear and we might go that just seems silly but listen for him it was real and we need to learn how to understand that when people have fear and it takes over it doesn't matter if it's a roller coaster if it's a spider or if it's a threat from a queen it's real and and here's what he did if you saw uh, look at verse three again verse three says he was afraid and he ran for his life and when he came to Beersheba in Judah he left his servant there well, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, and he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. That's pretty desperate. I just wonder if any of you have ever prayed that or have ever thought that. My guess is yes. He said, I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors and then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep i know we don't have a diagnosis for elijah but when i read his story and i see the place of despair the wilderness that he went into and the thoughts that he had that he did not want to live that's what depression looks like listen to me um depression looks like and feels like a wilderness and you can be in a wilderness in the middle of other people that are living in an oasis a wilderness is if you go into the wilderness it's it's dry it's arid there's no water there's no life and he wandered into a wilderness to a point where you look all the way around and you have no idea how to get out of it this, this is what it feels like for some of you. I'm just speaking to what you feel. With, that maybe some of you are in that place. And what we do in this moment will determine whether we drive deeper into the wilderness or we can come out of them. And I want us to pick up on something that he does because this is so important. Because I need some of you to recognize your tendency to do this in your life. The thing he did, he went to Beersheba and he left his servant while he himself when a day's journey into the wilderness can i tell you this that isolation is often the first step into depression that, that we want to pull back and some of you know this because you do this that, that you, you don't want anybody else to to know what you're feeling you you, you can't live life like everybody else can you you don't want to go hang out with friends and you don't want to go out and do those things because I, i'm just too I, i'm just depressed And so what we do is we start to pull back. We start to isolate ourselves. We want to run from fear, run from our anxiety, run from our problems, just like Elijah. And the problem is that we tend to run from people too. I can't tell you how often as a pastor this breaks my heart, that when I see people struggling, maybe it's their marriage, maybe it's spiritually, maybe it's thoughts of, of depression, maybe it's all these things that they disconnect from the church. They disconnect from a community of people that love them and and they're just gonna isolate themselves. Can I just tell you, that is so incredibly dangerous. It's incredibly, that is one of the most dangerous places you could ever be. Why? Because you know the truth about God, except that you kind of pull away from everybody and everything that leads you to truth. And the reason why it's such a dangerous place for Elijah, and why it's a dangerous place for you, is because when you go into isolation, the only voice that you can hear is the voice of your imagination, or the voice of your enemy that is speaking lies to you. And you can't hear the voice of someone proclaiming truth to you, or people who love love you and they care about you and so I, I'm just saying like I just want to speak if there's some of you that you've pulled back and you've pulled back from your parents you have pulled back from your spouse you have pulled back from your church community from your small group I can't serve right now I just need I need a break can I just tell you the very thing that you might need is to immerse yourself with people and here's the thing I know you don't feel it I know you don't feel it, but I, I just want you to understand: the enemy, your enemy, your spiritual enemy—he he wants you to isolate yourself, so he can take you out. And, and there's some of you that are listening to me today, and the truth is that not only have you isolated yourself, but you've you've had thoughts like Elijah had. I, I just want to die. I, I don't want to go on. I just want relief. I don't think I'm worth anything I don't think anybody cares about me Elijah was suicidal I know it seems harsh but he was and here's the thing sometimes we got this picture in our mind of people that are suicidal or have suicidal thoughts and I just want us to recognize that if Elijah one of the greatest men of God you know when Jesus had a moment on top of a mountain and he was transfigured he was with a couple of his disciples they looked and they saw jesus talking to two people two prophets one was moses and the other was elijah i'm just trying, i'm just trying to say if elijah one of these great men of god who believed god who love god who serve god and god would do miracles through elijah if he could have suicidal thoughts than any of us could you can love god and still hate yourself you can believe in god and still don't believe that your life is worth anything This is a real epidemic in our society today. I I realize that over the last two decades, do you know that the rate of suicide within our country has increased every single year? In 2017, over 47,000 people in the United States ended their life, which, by the way, is double, more than double, the number of homicides in our country. This is a real thing. And i just want to say that if you're here today and you're listening to me and you're just looking straight at me and you feel really uncomfortable because you've had these thoughts and feelings and you just pray that the person next to you isn't picking up on that can, can i just say if you have not told someone do not leave here today without telling someone you tell a pastor you tell a servant leader you tell come tell me if you're in life you do not leave without telling somebody because the last thing you need to do is fight that battle by yourself you are not designed to handle that kind of battle by yourself and I firmly believe that you will be able to find hope on the other side I believe there's hope. I know you might be in a season right now where you're discouraged. It's despair. You feel like giving up. But I want to be someone who can speak a voice of truth into your life today and say, there is hope on the other side. That there is truth on the other side. That I believe that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, wants to meet you and he wants to carry you through this season. And so I just want you to know you're not alone. You're not alone. Every single person that's in here that's clapping is that they believe that. They have hope for you. That's what this community, that's why it matters to be in a community like this. Don't do what Elijah did. Don't run into the wilderness alone, because there he wanted to die. And I want you to understand that although Elijah ran into the wilderness by himself, he wasn't alone. And I pray this speaks to you today. Here's what the story goes on to tell us in verse five. It says, all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. And he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. You know, I- I was kind of surprised that this was god's response to elijah like this isn't kind of what i would have thought if i were god that he would order doordash and send panera out into the wilderness you know that's just not what i pictured you know and and it's probably a good thing that i'm not god because you know when i try to put myself in what would god do i'm thinking about elijah who ran from his situation because of fear He's worried about queen jezebel and her threat don't you think that god's response to where elijah might be it is to speak truth over that situation like that's what i would think i think he'd be like oh jesse oh she ain't nothing come on don't you remember the fire and don't you remember the rain and don't you remember come on you don't need to worry about Jezebel I, I've got you I'll protect you matter of fact man I'm gonna make her she's gonna trip today in the palace she'll break her hip She's gonna be laid up she can't do anything to you like you would think God would speak truth but that's not what God does he sends an angel just to take some food He says you need to eat now I, I asked God I was like God why is that your response why doesn't the angel just tell them the truth? And i thought about all of my friends and even the times when I've been in a season of depression and people tried to encourage me and it didn't work. Because a lot of times when you're in a place of a wilderness and depression, it doesn't matter what people say to you. Your, your whole world and your truth and your reality has been flipped upside down you don't know what, what to really believe. And God doesn't scold him. God doesn't say, man, what's wrong with you? You of little faith? He doesn't do any of that. He just, he just takes him, some bread and water. And he says, get up and eat. You know why? Because here's what I've discovered, sometimes God won't remove the feelings. You're gonna pray, some of you have prayed, God, I don't wanna think like this. And I don't wanna feel like this anymore. And i don't want this inside but you know what i've discovered because sometimes i've prayed those prayers and i have found that sometimes god doesn't remove those feelings and sometimes god won't remove you from the situation but let me just tell you what i've discovered in my lifetime is that god will always sustain you in that place he might not take you out of it he might not change your situation but i promise you this god will sustain you in the middle of it even if he does it supernaturally with some hot bread and some fresh water God wants to sustain you. He wants to meet you in the middle of that place. And I just want to say, how, how do you apply that to your life today? If you're in a place where you feel wilderness, maybe you feel like God is far away, the most important thing that you need, and I know it doesn't feel like this, but you need consistency in God's word. You, you need to eat some of this. You need to eat some of this. I love how Jesus responded to the devil when he was tempted. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. You need to understand Jesus was the word of God and what we have of Jesus. And this, this, is, this is life. Jesus said this. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me and eats of me will never go hungry. He said to a woman one time at a well who was desperate, he said, I am living water. I know you're thirsty, but I'm living water. And if you'll get a taste of me, guess what? You won't have to thirst ever again. And I believe that this picture of God meeting Elijah, maybe it was also a picture to see that Jesus would meet him as the bread and the water in a desperate place. And I know you, you may... You may um, not feel it, but I want you to know that maybe the most important thing that you could do every single week is just keep coming back. If you don't have a rhythm of this in your life, I wish you would, but at least eat once a week. I mean, I don't think it's enough, but I'd rather you not starve to death. Let, let me feed you if I have to, but, but you need this in your life. And so God strengthened him for the journey, and for the next 40 days and 40 nights, he traveled to this special mountain, this mountain of God. Do you know this is the very same mountain that God appeared to Moses in a burning bush? And he went into a cave. I think that's kind of synonymous with how he felt inside. He was living in a cave. It says in verse 9, there he went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah. And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. He said, I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. I found it interesting that that God asked them this question. What are you doing? Why are you all the way over here? What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah. see that wasn't the place that god really wanted him but it was the place that his fear had taken him and he's in a cave mentally and physically and when god asks him what are you doing here elijah his response was i'm the only one left notice the extremes they torn down all your altars they killed everyone else they're trying to finish me off i'm the only one do you know that wasn't even true do you know that, that Elijah found out that wasn't true 41 days before that, when a palace administrator named Obadiah came to him and told him that he had actually himself protected a hundred prophets that were true to God through the drought and he fed them. So he, it wasn't even true, but that had become his truth. This is the battle in our minds. We, we talked about this week one, how do I know what is really true? And so he gets to this desperate place and God asked him, why are you here? Because you see, before Elijah ran, God was actually directing him every place he went. If you would go back on maybe your own time this week and read chapter 17 and 18, what you'll find is that God told him first to go to the king of Israel, and he did in chapter 17. And then God told him to go to the Kareth Ravine, and that ravens would bring him food, and that's what he did. And when the brook dried up, God sent him to Zarephath outside of Israel. And said go there because a widow is going to take care of you. And he did. And then God sent him back to the king. And he did. And there was a pattern. I saw that Elijah, he only went where God told him until he got a threat and fear took over and he ran on his own. God didn't send him into the wilderness. I just want you to hear this. God doesn't send us into a wilderness. God's desire is that you, you don't wrestle in depression and despair. But sometimes we go there and it doesn't mean that you've sinned it, it, Elijah didn't sin it's just he ran after these things he felt fear and he let that lead him can I just tell you the last thing that you need to do if you're feeling things of depression discouragement despair the last thing you need to do is follow your feelings we hear about that all the time in our culture you know just go with go with your gut Follow your feelings, follow your heart. Can I just be a a word of wisdom and say, don't follow your heart and don't follow your feelings and don't follow your thoughts because they will deceive you. What, What you need to do is you need to follow God. You need to follow his truth. And if you don't know what that is and say, I'm not sure, this is one of the most important times in your life where you need to learn to submit to authority spiritual authority we don't like to submit to spiritual authority but it's a protection over us it's so that there's someone else who's not dealing with our same thoughts and feelings can speak life into us and say no don't separate no you're not going to get a break right now i need you closer to me i need you to stay with me no you're not getting out of that small group or you're going to be with me every single week you need to submit to spiritual authority in your life but do not let your feelings lead you because it'll lead you right to a wilderness so he finds himself in this cave. And what God does next is so powerful. It says in verse 11 that the Lord said to him in this moment, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. This is why I, I, I will say it all the time, that when you're struggling, what you need to do is get in the presence of God. That's why if you're struggling i say make it a priority to get to church because you need it the most he said get in the presence of the lord for the lord is about to pass by then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the lord says but the lord was not in the wind and after the wind there was an earthquake the lord was was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake came a fire but the lord was not in the fire and after the fire came a gentle whisper it says when Elijah heard it he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave it's interesting to me what the one thing was that moved Elijah the most in this place because all these crazy things happen in this moment I mean he tells him the Lord is about to pass by This wasn't the first time that it ever happened to somebody like this. God actually told Moses one time that he was going to pass by. And so he kind of, okay, okay, I heard about this. I need to experience this. And then it says there was a mighty wind that toppled rocks. I mean, just imagine rocks and everything start falling. Oh, that's, and it says that God wasn't behind the wind or he wasn't in the wind. Which I always thought was strange because, I mean, that is one of the weirdest coincidences ever. The Lord's about to pass by and a huge wind comes. Come on, surely can't we all agree that God was behind the wind? And then the earth begins to shake. Right? That that was God. I mean, come on, let's be honest. God's shaking the earth. This is not just another strange coincidence. Okay, all of a sudden that, and then this. And then there's a fire. We know God is in the fire. It was on the same mountaintop where it says that Moses met God in a burning bush. He had just seen, Elijah had seen God send fire down from heaven when he fought the prophets on top of Mount Carmel. Surely, Elijah knew that God was behind all those things. Why does it tell us but God wasn't in those things? And I've wrestled and I asked God why. I don't get this. And then he speaks in a gentle whisper. And, and God just kind of revealed something to me that, Mo, that Elijah had experienced God's power before. Elijah had experienced miracle after miracle, he had seen fire, he had seen massive wind and rain when he prayed for it, he had seen God do all of those things. But in that moment, Elijah knew the power of God, but what he needed most was to know the proximity of God. And some of us, we we know the power of God. And maybe you've been around church and you've heard stories preached and you're like i know god can part the red sea and i know god can tumble walls and i know god can do all those things but what you need more than anything is not to be reminded about all the things god can do but basically this truth that god is with you even in the backside of a wilderness even if you're in a place that God didn't want you to be in it wasn't his desire or his heart you you need to hear this God whispered gently to Elijah to let him know that he was near and that he wasn't angry with him I love how it says a gentle whisper God wasn't angry with him It was a sign of God's love, and He just gently whispered. And I don't know, I don't know where you are today. Maybe some of you are in the wilderness spiritually. Maybe some of you in a place where you've been fighting thoughts and feelings. You've been in despair, and I felt like God sent me today to whisper to you and say that God is here and God is near. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that we don't have to fear because God is here and maybe no one knows what you're going through but I'm just I want you to understand you can never run away from the spirit of God his presence is still with, I know it feels dark and I know you feel like you're in a cave but please hear me God's with you there he's with you there and he's going to lead you out of it He wants to grab you by the hand he wants to take you out of it i love a psalm 139 says where can i go from your spirit i can't run from it when i'm at the highest heavens you're there god and when i make my bed in the depths you're also there i just needed you to hear that today god's near to you you're not alone come on as we close would you all stand to your feet I just believe that God wants to minister to some of you today. Just bow your heads. Just want to really, I want to have a moment where God can minister to you and God can do something in your heart and your life. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that the Spirit of God would let you know that he is near to you right now. He's whispering to you, I love you. I love you you're worth it don't give up don't lose hope I'm gonna bring you through this I'm here I'm near come on let's pray father I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice every person God that feels hopeless today every person God that doesn't know how to get out of the wilderness how to get out of their situation God, I pray right now that your spirit would just put your arms around us. I pray, God, for a supernatural peace, God, to, to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. God, I pray right now for those who maybe feel far away from you, those that maybe for the first time are sensing your presence. They're sensing you're near and sensing that you're real. I, I pray in this moment, God, that they that they would come to a place of surrender to you, of saying, God, I can't fight this battle on my own i can't do this by myself listen i believe if you're here today whether you're in lancaster you're here in lithopolis you're watching this and maybe, maybe something is just hugging at you. It's pulling at you, saying it's time to surrender your life to Jesus. That is the Spirit of God. That's God whispering to you, saying you need me. I want to help you for this journey. The Bible says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He wants to save you. He wants to fill you with His presence. He wants to give you hope. If that's you today at either location, you're saying, I need Jesus in my life. I want to know Him. Would you just declare this with me? your mouth but you say jesus i need you jesus i give you my life today i surrender my life to you today i need your presence i need your leadership and so i give my life to you right now every part of me god i want to know your presence and i want to know you today